Well, we just calculated yesterday that last year we served 26,000 meals to kids, and that's not even including snacks. So you basically double that if you include a nutrient-dense snack and a lunch. And then next year we'll be doing 44,000 meals. So it's really like that's just that will be two schools, two small schools. So you think about the impact. We have these kids' stomachs for six hours a day. And if you start these kids when they're preschool or kindergarten and they go and eat this way through 12th grade, there's no way you're not changing the trajectory of their health. Today, we talk with an amazing woman. Hilary Boynton is not only a mother feeding six kids, she's not only the author of the GAPS cookbook, Heal Your Gut, but as you just heard, she's a powerhouse who went into her kids' school and when offered the keys to the kitchen said yes and transformed the menu, serving them nutrient-dense foods like organ meats, raw butter and kefir, bone broth and beak vas. Listen in to hear how, as a mum, she took over her children's school food, transforming what was served into real nutrient-dense food. The differences she's witnessed to the children, the parents and the school community. How she's taken what she's learnt and is teaching others to be lunch leaders globally. And how she's stayed sane through all of this, mothering six children whilst also working from 5am to feed a school. Hilary has vision, enthusiasm and such a go-do-it attitude, yet she's also incredibly practical, forgiving and loving. You won't fail to be inspired. Welcome to the Ancestral Kitchen Podcast with Allison, a European town dweller in central Italy, and Andrea living on a newly created family farm in Northwest Washington State, USA. Pull up a chair at the table and join us as we talk about eating, cooking, and living with ancient ancestral food wisdom in a modern world kitchen. Hello, Allison. Hello, Andrea. And hello to our guest today, Hillary. Welcome, Hillary. Thank you, guys. Hello. It's so awesome to be here. So awesome to have you here. Hillary Boynton, tell me if I said your name correctly, yeah. Yeah. is the amazing mother of five and lunch lady. <laughs> I love that t-shirt you have in that picture on your website. Um, I first heard you, Hillary, on Wise Traditions podcast, interviewing with um, Hilda. And I was so smitten by you that I went and looked you up online and I found your book, The Heal Your Gut Cookbook, which is in my hand right now, which became my lifeline going through gaps. I absolutely love that book. And Hillary is, um, you're in California as we're recording, right? Yes. Um, but you won't be <laughs> by the time this comes out, I think you'll already be gone. Um, right. so yeah, moving to the Southwest and you have this incredible story of basically overhauling the school lunch program where your kids go to school. And that was the story I listened to on 
the Wise Traditions episode that just, you know, captured my imagination and made so many things seem possible in the ancestral food world that our world right now just says can't happen. So you clearly take the impossible and say, bring it on. (laughs) And you're inspirational in so many aspects um, for both Allison and myself. And I know many others. So can't wait to talk to you and hear more about your story. Yeah, Yeah, completely. I, I have the book too. And I think back then when my family went through gaps, certainly there really weren't any other cookbooks around for the gaps, the gut and psychology syndrome diet. And so like you, Andrea, it was kind of by my side all the time mm-hmm. for the years that we went through that diet. But, you know, it, feel, it feels amazing to, to see what, what you've done, Hilary, since then. And um, I'm just as excited as Andrea to dive in. We usually yeah. start by asking our podcast guests what the last thing they ate was. So would you tell us? Oh, well, okay, so I it's early in the morning here, so I've just had um, coffee and with raw butter and Redmond Real Salt in it, and that's typically Yum. how I start my day. So I kind of do that shortening of my window of eating, and I, I pretty much fast in the morning, just have that kind of fat for fuel in the morning, and then break my fast around 10 or 11. I'm not super rigid about it, but um, that's sort of how I start my mornings. But I can tell you about my last meal if you want. Oh, go on. Yeah, let's hear um, it. Please. So last night, I mean, it wasn't super exciting either, but this is where um, one of the things that I, one of the phrases that I push out from my French elder, Rose, she told me once, she said, Hillary, remember, simplicity is gourmet. And so I just encourage everybody to keep it simple and don't overthink it. I mean, I literally had some little gems lettuce, just like some nice lettuce from the farmer's market with some tri-tip that we had cooked up that was just in the fridge. So I just cut that up and I had on it some cucumber that I cut up that we happened to have. And then I had some sourdough discard crackers that I love and I just crumpled those up on top and then I just drizzled the olive oil and a little salt red mineral salt on top and that was it so Mm. um it was pretty simple but I was um kind of getting it was getting late and I was like I just want to have something nourishing and not too heavy and so that was my last meal sounds delicious what was the thing that you said you put in the um, lettuce, tri-tip. I don't recognize that. Oh, tri-tip, yeah, just like a steak, basically. So we cooked it on the um, grill, so it's kind of smoky and just just super simple. We often try and just cook meat so that we have extra in the fridge, and so to throw together a quick salad with some good protein um, is really easy for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. I mean, I often have that for breakfast and... Actually, I think yesterday I might have had the same thing for for lunch. It was just like one of those days. So it's like that's where you just, when you stock your fridge with the good stuff, or maybe I pulled out a couple eggs to go with it as well. And it's just so easy. You can whip it up in five minutes. That yeah, is... we talk about that a fair bit, don't we, Andrew? The idea of kind yeah. of cooking up in yeah. bulk and leaving yeah. it in the fridge. And also the idea of when you have such good quality food, 
You don't necessarily need to have something different at every single meal because it just tastes so good. And then you're busy and you pull it out and you're enjoying it every time. That's how I feel. Yeah, yeah. I've actually heard a lot of people just as of late who kind of eat the same things. I mean, we don't have like this huge variety. Um, We try and switch things up so that we get variety, but that comes with the seasonality of the produce and ferments that we add in. Um, Just trying to, but basically our staples of, you know, proteins kind of remain the same and, you know, we throw in organ meats and stuff like that. And, um, but yeah, it's not, again, it's not, it's not super complicated. We, we, we refine it and kind of systematize the kitchen so that we always have access to good food and yeah. that we emphasize that it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, we have lots of teenagers in the house, so it's like we want them to be able to have access to just grab stuff. And How old you know. are your children? So, okay, I have triplets who are just turned, well, they're 18 and a half now. They just graduated from high school, which is like I'm still trying to, wrap my head around that and then a 15 year old and a 14 year old and then my boyfriend that I live with has a 21 year old she just turned 21 so now we're in like the whole full-on teenage years and young adults lots of mouths yeah yeah and they're but you know what I've realized too it's like they they eat and because of the way we eat they're um they're satiated you know, like I just listened to you guys talk about healthy fats and it's like, oh my gosh, we should, we could get into that because my story has a lot to do with not including that in my past. And when, and the way we feed the kids at school is like when you're satiated, you don't need to like snack all day and you don't need to, it's not, it's not, um, it's not this continuous, like you have this teenager that you just have to continuously feed. You just have to feed them. Right. I mean, they eat a lot, but uh, it's not all day long. They're just like eating a good proper meal and then out they go. We hope yeah, anyway. Nice. Out to off the off the screens. I, <laughs> off the whole screens, other, yeah. That's a whole other thing. Uh, yeah. yeah, my husband sometimes says that people say, Oh, it's gonna be so expensive if we try to eat good food. But he always says what they don't realize is once you start eating really good food, you actually eat less than you think you will. Right. And they're imagining how many bags of chips their family can crush in in twenty four hour period, or yeah. um, you know how many cases of pop tarts they can go through, or something. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, but "You just don't go through, you know, tri tip and lettuce at the same rate. Like you just don't." Right. <laughs> yeah, and if you if you are buying all those pr- processed, packaged, kind of empty calories, you will spend a fortune and you will go through a ton of food because they'll never be satisfied. So it's like you think oh, about a teenager, they'll expensive. just eat a bag of chips in like five minutes, you know, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just such a waste of a waste of money, really, because it's not really giving them anything um, except for, I guess, the pleasure of eating junk that most teenagers seem to enjoy. enjoy. <laughs> so unless you kind of I mean, you have to steer them. I mean, I just have so much, um, I guess. I feel like I've earned my street cred. I spoke to parents at the school the other day and I just said, I can honestly stand here and say, I've been where you are, you know, because I've gone through zero to 18 and there, every stage is different, you know, so you have to kind of accept the, the things that get easier and there's definitely things that get more challenging. So you just have to keep steering the ship and that's all you can do really is just 
you know, I'm in that phase where I'm like, oh gosh, like I hope they circle back. You know, I mean, they have a good foundation and they eat well at home, but they're just like typical teens. They'll like, you know, someone will bring something to school and they're not like saying no necessarily. Although my daughter's really more uh, conscientious. I don't know. The boys are a little more. They want to just be, you know, quote unquote normal. Fit in sometimes. Yeah. Try these things. And I'm just, yeah, you know, I'm really... like, why would you do that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> wouldn't even like it's really difficult my mind. to to kind of want to want to let your kid be out in the real world but also want them to eat really really well and and that's a, certainly been a challenge for me sending Gabriel to a school the last two years whereas we had him at home before all the time that kind of interaction with I I can't overly control him but I want him to eat really well that's that's a ongoing challenge well the thing I can say too is dealing with like the 20 somethings and this is where this is where we're at with the state of our health is that you know most kids now are dealing with health issues and so it's like they don't feel good or they have bloating or they have some sort of IBS or something worse an autoimmune disease and and so they're trying to figure it out and they they don't really know I mean we feel really lucky that um, you know, like my, my stepdaughter, I guess we we'll call her, I'm not mar- remarried, but you know, she's like a daughter to me, her friend group comes over and they're all in their twenties. And like, we just, we just always have food around and we're just like, like the other day she turned 21 and at her 21st birthday, like my 18 year old is giving like a demo on like how he cooks a steak and butter and, and like base the steak with the butter and rosemary and garlic and thyme. And these kids are just like, what? Like, what is going on here? And they're <laughs> trying it. And they're like, this is so good. This is the best food I've ever had. And so we're exposing them. But most kids don't have that, those mentors or that exposure to real food and how it tastes. And so they're trying to, to figure it out. And that's why I'm so passionate about what I do with the the school lunches, just getting these kids like really early is is so vital because then it's just it's just normal to eat this way, and they, you know. So don't talk about different. talk about the school. Tell us what it was like when you um, first sort of saw that there was a problem there, and what you did. Talk us through that journey. Yes. Yeah, so we um, we had moved out here from Massachusetts to Los Angeles, and. Um, my husband at the time had had was battling throat cancer. Uh, he survived and everything. He's fine now. But we had moved out to Los Angeles, kind of like more alternative treatments and healthier lifestyle and sunshine and all that. And it was literally like his first day out of bed. We're like, let's drive to Topanga. We were in like the Venice, Santa Monica area, and Topanga was this little town in between Santa Monica and Malibu. And we had heard about it. We've kind of been in this little bubble, and we drove up and. Went to this little store and this woman, we told her we had five kids and, and she's just like, oh my gosh, there's this new little nature-based school that just opened down the street. You guys should check it out. And um, people are moving here from all over to go. And so we drove right down, it was like a mile down the road. And we went into the school and it's all outdoors pretty much. And the chef happened to be there. And my book had just come out. It was like 2014 or maybe it was... 2015 at this point but yeah like you know six months and the chef was like oh the kids just like caught their own fish today and cooked it up and like my jaw was on the ground and then because I had tried to change school lunches in Massachusetts for like almost a decade and um 
didn't get very far. And then she said, you know, I was telling her about my cookbook and she said, well, well, I really want to roast a whole goat. And I, at that point I was just like, oh my gosh, this is like, we need to go here. These are our people. They understand. And, you know, they value the whole animal and everything. And so we literally like applied. I was like, it was a private school. So I'm just like, we're never going to be able to afford this. And the woman at the front desk was like, just apply. There's so much abundance in this world and there's angels and magic can happen. And so I was like, okay. And we just applied. And all of a sudden we got like a 90% financial aid for our triplets to go. And we we're just like wow. in heaven, let's just like so excited. And so there's this like nature connection and good food and everything. And then as the school grew, the food, they out started to outsource the food. And that's when I was just like, whoa, like, wait a minute, what's happening? This isn't really aligning with my philosophy and how we're meant to eat. And this is a nature-based school. And so I approached the head of school about it. And um, I first became the, he, he said, you know, well, you know, I've hired, hired my friend who's been a friend for 30 years and she knows how to cook for a lot of, a lot of people. And, um, you know, this is the way we're going to go right now. But he said, why don't you be like a, a snack coordinator and a consultant to the lunch lady? So I was just like, okay, well, we'll start there, I guess. And um, and so I went and met with a lunch lady and I kind of like, and she didn't work on campus, but we met up and I gave her my cookbook and I gave her nourishing traditions. And I was all just like, oh my gosh, we could do like bone broths and fermented foods and we could sneak organ meats into the meatloaf and all this stuff. And she was like all smiles and happy. And all of a sudden the next day, the head of school pulled me over. I was just like, you cannot talk to her ever again. I'm like, what? She like really was on board with everything I said. And he's like, yeah, on the outside, she was smiling, but on the inside, she was freaking out and she wants to quit now. So he's like, stop talking to her and just focus on the snack. So I was like, shoot. Okay. And now looking back, I'm like, I'm sure she just was like totally overwhelmed with my enthusiasm and not familiar with all these foods. And so I just, went ahead and did this snack program and um and I just went to town. Like I reached out to everybody that I knew from um organic pastures, raw dairy to um Redmond Real Salt and Jovial and anybody that I knew that and region local, regional, national brands that could help me and um and then I went straight to my local farmers markets and told them that I was feeding children and if they had any, you know, bumper crops of things or anything exciting to share to please like, you know, just whatever deals they could make, I would appreciate it. And they were so, so, so generous. And I would get like, you know, huge creative zucchini and I'd make like zoodles and zucchini soup. And uh, I'd get these little like mini bananas on the tree tr- tree stem thing and or whatever, the branch. And I'd bring a whole branch of like these mini bananas and I serve them all different ways, like from cinnamon fried bananas and butter to dehydrated or I'd make sprouted almond butter and put it on with little cacao beans. I mean, you name it. Like I had like this whole spread of beautiful, um, different foods or like, you know, I'd roast tomatoes and put it on sourdough. I had like hot, fresh sourdough out of the oven. And anyway, it was just sort of this beautiful thing. And it became like a scene and a social scene and people were getting really satiated from the snack program. And it really, Within six months by Christmas time, I kind of outshined the lunch program. And that's when we had the conversation again, where he was, the head of school was 
telling me a little bit about his, um, some health issues he was working through. And I just said, you know, you like, you have your health issues and you know my story. And this is like, these kids need nutrition now. And so why would we wait like a whole, you know, the rest of the year, eight months to start something new? Let's just do it. So he literally said like, if I fire my friend and I give you the keys to the kitchen, are you ready? And there I was like, you know, smiles oh on the gosh. outside and freaking out on the inside. Like, yeah, okay, of course I'm ready. I can do this. I can do this. And, you know, I had one week to, like, literally pull in a chef to help me. And I was at, like, home goods and, like, shopping for pots and pans. I had to, like, stock the kitchen. And my friend texted me and said, I'm thinking of, I was literally in home goods. And she's like, I'm thinking of going to culinary school. I'm like, do you want to be an intern? She said, yes. So she interned with me for six months. And we just bootstrapped it. And it was just like, you know, literally like, what are we going to cook today? And just, you know, we just did it. I don't, I'm looking back, I'm like, I don't know how we did it, but we did it. And now we're, we're five years in. And I honestly, I feel like we have the best school lunch program in the country. I say that humbly, but it's like, we're focusing on nutrient density. I don't know any other school that's like using organ meats and raw kefir and, you know, raw butter and, um, you know, animal fats, all these good things, chicken skins, and you know, so bone broths. So anyway, so that's sort of where we are now, and we're we're growing this model, and I feel like it can absolutely be done. You said, you know, I have sort of this can-do attitude, but somebody said, you know, whether you say you can or you can't, you're right. So I just believe we can do this. We can we can do it. We just have to like critically think, and we have to we have to care because it's work, right? It's work, but it's it's not rocket science. It's just real food. So made with love. Yeah. Wow. Completely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's what I was going to say. Wow. <laughs> I feel like I'm reeling. Yeah. That's it. It's, I'm just, I'm just trying to imagine what, like, just, just a mom saying, you know what? I'm going to feed my family real food. Like that is enough of a whirlwind. I'm just trying to imagine doing that with an entire school. Well, we just calculated yesterday that last year we served 26,000 meals Jeez. to kids, and that's Jeez. not even including snacks. So you basically double that if you include a nutrient-dense snack yeah. and a lunch. Gosh. And then next year we'll be doing 44,000 meals. So it's really like that's just that will be two schools, two small schools. So you think about the impact. We have these kids' stomachs for six hours a day. And if you yeah. start these kids when they're preschool or kindergarten and they go and eat this way, 12th grade there's no way you're not changing the trajectory of their health well you're so, changing their biome you're changing everything yeah, their exposure yeah. that gave me goosebumps just thinking about that yeah, you so. um it says on your site somewhere that you saw an astounding kind of difference from bringing this new way of eating to the school talk about some some changes or what you saw happen at that school because of what you did well my gosh i think you know, I, I had my birthday in May and one of the teachers gave me a hug and she just said, she said, and she has an autistic child and she said, you've changed my life. You've changed my family's life and forever. And I just like, it makes me want to cry right now because it's just like, that's the impact. Like these kids and these, it's like, it's, it's a bottom up approach where you're infusing this into these kids at a young age and they're starting to understand the vocabulary and the feel and the lifestyle and the 
it's like a vibe, right? It's like everyone, the whole school is eating together and it's, it's a way of life. And so they go home and they're talking about it uh, to their parents. And all of a sudden the parents are like, wait, what? Like, what is bone broth? And I want sourdough bread and I want to know how to make sourdough bread. And can I buy that from you? And then we invite the parents in for lunch once a month. We have a PAL program, which is parents at lunch. And so then they come in and they experience it themselves. And then this is like, you just literally watch as your kind of dream unfolds before your eyes, where it's like not only just a a school lunch, it's infusing into the home and it's becoming a way of life. And so it's really like, it's the little things along the way where you just, you have those testimonials from teachers and kids and then parents who email you and say, what are you doing at school? Like my child will not try anything new for me at home, but she says she's eating like bone broth and beet kvass and all these things at school. Like, how are you doing this? And so we have actually two kindergarten parents who are signed up for our training academy because I think they're just really like, what going on like how do you you know it's challenging and that's where it's like the first day of of the manzanitas school for me like seven years ago the head of school said something really profound he said your children need mentors other than you and I thought oh my gosh like thank god like you're right like I can't do this all myself and it really does take a village so I'm sort of this like mama bear that's like treats these little kids and all these kids like my own in a way. And I just tend to them. And I think that's what it takes in this day and age is that it's not like you can just drop healthy food off at school and think that the kids are going to eat it. They'll probably throw it away, right? Most of them, because they're just like, what is this? And you have to show up day after day after day and develop a trust with these kids and look them in the eye and make it fun. I mean, I have kids, little kids, doing bikavas shots. I have kids drinking like, you know, raw milk smoothies and kids eating chiquitanas, which are flying ants from Oaxaca that are filled with like vitamin K2. I mean, you just make it crazy fun. And they, um, things start to like light bulbs start to go off. And it's like, they just, um, they just, it, again, it's like this kind of vibe. It's like becomes a social joyful joyous thing that they're participating in so it's not like I guess any one particular thing it's more of like these little things where you notice where you see like a kid transition throughout the year where they were really like you know one of the kids you have to work with day after day after day and then by the end of the year you see their play and it's like wow they've changed so much so um and they're so much more comfortable and trying new things and so you know, we, we also did something where we wore um, blood glucose monitors. So we put them on. We did it as a kind of a citizen science project. We had a grant to do it. We put them on staff and kids and parents and chefs. So a cohort of us all wore these. Um, and it was really like you could see directly how the food you eat affects your blood glucose levels. And so... For us as chefs and as parents, especially, it's like we have a certain accountability as to how we feed children. And if you know in good conscience that what you're what you're eating is affecting your blood glucose levels and then you're feeding that to a child, I don't know who can put their head on the pillow at night and feel good about that. Right. So we're either the way the National School Lunch Program literally is like driving our children into the medical system. And so we feel like every day that we get to feed a kid is a day that we keep them 
out of the medical system and thriving and pursuing their dreams. Hey there, thank you for being a listener of the Ancestral Kitchen podcast. It means so much to Allison and I when you post a review on Apple or Spotify or share about the podcast in your stories or send us a message and let us know what it means to you, which is hopefully something good. You can also sponsor the podcast through our Patreon account and help Rob buy weird gadgets to edit out my coughs and microphone bumps in the background. We have a variety of different levels you can choose from and a bunch of different benefits you can enjoy, ranging from additional interviews to video content and downloadable goodies. Check it out at patreon.com slash ancestral kitchen podcast. So you alluded to training other people. And mm. this is uh, another am- amazing part of your story that you haven't just stopped at this school. You've taken that and you've now made it much, much bigger. Talk to us about the kind of training academy you have and how that works. Yeah. Okay. So I, um, our mission is really to train as many leaders as we can to sweep across the nation and disrupt the trend of chronic illness in this next generation of kids. And what I've realized from my own journey of trying to change the public school system and now this school in California um, and then now in Texas, that it's every school comes with its challenges and we can't necessarily go to every school and fix everything. So I always say, like, I can't change a million schools, but I can train a million lunch leaders. So every, you know, person has a different, um, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like parents, you know, are more dedicated to their own children's school. So you need those people that are going to be dedicated to whatever system they want to change. It doesn't even have to be a school. You can aspire to be, you know, just want to change your own home or a restaurant or a business or a a YMCA, whatever it may be. We have people coming for all different reasons, but um, they're invested in whatever they want to change. So when we give them we set them up with that, A, that nature connection. So they recognize that they are part of nature. We are nature, technically, I believe. We are Mother Nature's miracle and we're not disconnected. So when we reconnect to nature and our local food system and each other, and um, we share, you know, in making beautiful food together and break bread together, then it's this like life changing experience. And we send people out into their communities to do whatever they wish to do with it and I we've just had so much success with people literally I feel like in five days they're forever changed you guys both know like once you get it you get it and you're kind of like whoa how did I not know this information you know but we've been kind of like cut off from that ancestral wisdom and that um that is not really being passed down anymore and I heard somewhere um at school, we had a speaker come and he talked about being ancestors and training. And I thought that's so brilliant because like we really do have to take the responsibility at this stage to step into the work and relearn what was once common knowledge that was just passed down. And now we have to we have to really grab hold of that and pass it down because it will be gone forever. So, yeah, so we do a five day intensive yeah, where that. we um, we train people about the ancestral wisdom and nutrient-dense cooking. And just really, I think people think they're going to come and get like knife skills. And they're, I think at the end, they're just like, wow, this is just way more than any, like, it's not just a cooking class. It's like a life changer. Yeah. So, so yeah. So actually Sounds this, amazing. yeah, we're, we're headed to um, Apricot Lane Farm 
this year, which I don't know if you guys have oh, seen yeah. the big, the biggest little farm, <laughs> but they're our neighbors and we're good friends with them. They've been super supportive of our school. So we'll do a private tour there and then um, a cooking class in their test kitchen. And yeah, we've just been really blessed with beautiful, uh, like-minded farmers who open their, their homes and their kitchens and let us, um, you know, show the land and the animals and what they're doing and then cook in these beautiful kitchens. So beautiful. Yeah. And you are shipping everything up and taking it to Texas. And so are you going to be working in another school there and replicating the training academy down there? Yeah. So that's super exciting because it really is proof of concept for us that we can go and we can replicate this and that it can be successful in another in another area. And so we're not going to get up and move everywhere, but we're going to do this one time and just show what what's possible and that, you know, I feel so so confident after five years that I can leave my staff here in California and they will crush it and just do a great job without me, which is really, you know, it's sort of like your baby, right? You're just, it's like, it's really, it was an interesting end of the year because I had three kids graduating from high school and then I'm leaving this program that I've been part of. I mean, we'll still be managing it. So I will, you know, come in and check in on everybody and um, get my fill of everybody. But it's just like a lot of um, growth and new things. And, uh, so yeah, so we're excited to to head to this, um, school outside of Austin and, and, uh, recreate it. So, you know, we'll see, it'll be interesting again to start from start fresh again. You know, so I think people are so used to us at the school we're at now. So it's like, it's going to be all, all (laughs) new, but it seems like, you know, very like-minded group of people. And so there's no real convincing they get it, which is great. So, yeah, that's nice. I feel um, like I want to ask about, sorry, Andrew, do you, you want to jump in? I was just going to say, um, for everybody listening to the podcast, uh, somebody, everybody already knows is going to be working with Hillary, which is Aaron. And yeah. he's, he's a hero of yeah. the pod. <laughs> yes. So Aaron, oh my gosh. Well, we, we met like briefly back in Massachusetts. We both live there. He's from there. I'm from New Hampshire, but lived in Massachusetts for a long time. And he worked for a friend of mine. And, uh, but I didn't really, I've met him like once. And then we have a mutual friend in Italy who, um, has a school there. And I had befriended her. Like literally I left Massachusetts and she moved to Massachusetts and then she ended up moving to Italy and starting the school, but she was very familiar with gaps and was on gaps. And so we kind of became like internet friends. And then, um, I had considered going over there at some point to help with her school and cooking. And then Aaron went over and he was the chef there. So I kind of followed him along that. And then he moved to Portugal. I don't know. We just sort of stayed in touch through the Weston Price Foundation. And um, every once in a while, I would ping each other. And then when this opportunity came up, I was just like, Aaron would be the perfect person to come and help us launch this baby. So, (laughs) yeah. So he's like about to go there and um yeah so I'm really excited to um oh my gosh to work with him it's gonna be great so he came and helped us at the Manzanita kitchen for a week and it was just so fun he just like fit right in and he's just such a great guy good human yeah totally yeah Yeah. I feel like community building is so it's been so central to what you're doing and all the stories you've told you know about being with people sharing and people coming and talking to you and and how you're feeling leaving and it 
it feels to me like the disconnect that you've talked about with us and nature feels like it extends into sort of disconnect of community and normal food as it is people not knowing where it comes from and not knowing you know who's made their food and you've just gone completely to the other end of it and you must have had so much satisfaction from seeing the relationships with the children and the parents and being and eating together like you said breaking bread together it's just so so valuable and you've really brought that to life there I'm I'm yeah I'm total awe of what you've done well it's um Actually, in the talk that I'm giving on Thursday, uh, I am writing it and I just wrote, it's insanely fun, it's insanely tiring, but it's so insanely rewarding. Like you just can't, it's like every, you know, blood, sweat and tears. I said that to the parents, like there's literally like tears in the chicken I made. Like some days you're just so tired or you're just like, I got to go back and chop onions and just, you know. When people come back and ask you if you're okay, you're just like, I'm just chopping <laughs> onions back here because it's like, it's, it's, um, it really is like a calling. It's like a labor of love and you just know the depth of what you're doing. And it, it's, um, it is a grind for sure. You know, kitchen work is like, it's, I'm up at five in the morning and sometimes not home till five thirty at night. And, but there's something that's so rewarding about it that just, keeps you coming back for more. And that's where like now we're seeing with our training academy that, you know, past graduates want to just keep coming back because it's that community. It's like, we're all, it's like a family. It really is like a family and food, food is magical in that way. Like it just brings people together and you, you feel good and you know that it's, it's truth. Like it's just right. Like you're, your body accepts it and it just, you know, I don't know. I look back at my fat-free days and I know, Allison, you went through that too. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. just, I forget, a decade or so, I believed that fat was the enemy. And I had all my health journey and stuff through that. But you just kind of realize like how duped you've been. And then how, what an injustice it is that we're, we're so misguided and then when you can just return back to the simplicity of it and the beauty of it and you know I say buy what you can afford and cook real food like don't overcomplicate it and it just really it's again it's just it's just truth and people feel that and they feel that energy and they want to be a part of it right does that make sense 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah completely Andrea, do you want to? Uh, <laughs> I'm like simultaneously waiting to see what Allison's going to say, but also yeah. like, I have so many questions myself. Go on, um, you, you go. Okay, so hear. Hillary, I was homeschooled growing up and I homeschool my kids. So I haven't myself, other than going to a school assembly one time to teach them how to make kombucha. <laughs> I haven't gone to school, um, but I've seen the lunches. And so when you talked about doing the glucose monitoring, I'm just mm. thinking about some of the food that I've seen served or that people have talked about that I know, like, oh, I'm trying to imagine what the glucose monitors would be saying. And then I'm thinking about my own kids and how I can see in in the span of our school day, how their food affects them, good food, or if we go, you know, visit somebody and they get served something that, you know, a little bit different from what we normally would eat and how it affects them. 
I cannot imagine the compounded effect of an entire school of kids being fed like beverages with dyes in them. And then like some sort of like a fried frozen chicken nugget thing or something. And then asking them all to listen and pay attention and, Mm. and much less learn something. And so what you're doing, I'm just picturing how, yeah, you talked about you're affecting their gut biome and, and that's affecting their, you know, their future and what role they'll play in our medical system. And I'm also thinking of all the stories that will affect that they tell themselves about how smart I am or how I look or whatever, like you're giving them such an amazing gift through this. This is so incredible. And as a homeschool mom i'm like i want to go to the school of lunch academy and, and learn from <laughs> my school come. oh my god you should come i would love you guys to come well oh then I could, are, let's are manifest you, it yeah i'm i'm on i'm on board with you are you <laughs> doing those those will be done in texas now yeah um, so we're we're okay. doing we do one each year in august um typically in august in california and we'll continue doing that And then I think early 2023 in Texas, I mean, my dream, my dream, I'm going to put it out there into the universe is um, that I have a hub, a training hub, like, like River Cottage, you know, River Cottage, that's like been my dream for like 15 years. I'm just like, I need my (laughs) River Cottage people. I need it. (laughs) So I just want my training hub so then I can have my own farmland and kitchen and I don't have to schlep food everywhere. I can just like bring people in and train them all the time. So we can have this hub where it will say simplicity is gourmet somewhere in there. And we can just keep uh, showing up and training people. So we hope to be doing them more and more. And and then also develop some online content so that those who can't travel can have access to the information as well. So that's what I'm manifesting currently. So I think it's becoming ever so slightly less fringe to say that your food affects your mind now, you know, when, when Dr. McBride first was talking about that, or when, you know, Sally Fallon's book was written and things, it was still kind of like, you guys are crazy because fat free is in. And, you know, so now I can totally see people flocking to these trainings being like, yes, we're, we're starting to get it. Yeah, and we want those people that that want the information. You know, I've realized that, like, it, you can't convince people. So you want the people that have no. kind of had that little no. wake-up call, and they're like, wait, I want this. And so we actually have angels, too, that we're looking for a couple angels. We're always looking for angels, but people that show up and fund somebody to go because we never want money to be a barrier for somebody that's ready for this change and that's going to go into their community and change, you know, make change. So, um yeah, it's it's so so important, and and going back quickly to what you said about the the typical school food and how can we af- expect kids to sit and to concentrate is so true. I mean, we, we I tell the kids, I'm like, guys, we're building brains here. Like, we gotta get these healthy fats in you, and you just make it like kind of fun and goofy and stuff, and they they get it. But the way that we're feeding kids is literally poisoning them. I mean, and I don't say that lightly it's it's true it's just completely toxic for these children and it's time it's really time that we wake up and I think it's going to have to be a grassroots effort like it's not going to come from the top down um no no I just think if that were going to happen it could happen and and it hasn't happened so I don't think it's a priority and so we need this kind of 
grassroots effort to show. And that's where, like, I got my foot in the door at this small little private school. And I'm like, I'm just going to show what can be done and build a new boat and lead by example and joyfully just, like, you know, say, come on over here, you guys, to this boat if you want because it's working. And, you know, hopefully that will start to, and that's why, like, recreating this program at another school and another school um, we have two lunch um, or two chefs coming from a school in Florida in Miami. They're coming to get trained and are going to take it back to their oh, school. So awesome. it's like that's where we just have to build this groundswell and, and show that this is possible. It's absolutely 100 percent possible. And it's what needs to happen. We have to support our local farmers. We we put like 80 to 90 percent of our food cost goes directly back into the local food system. And so, you know, if we don't support our local food system, it's going to be gone and we're going to be beholden to big ag yep. and yep. and foods that don't support yeah. human health. And so yeah. it really is this kind of collective wake up call. I always say, like, my million dollar question is how do we wake people up before the wake up call, you know, before the cancer right. diagnosis or the autoimmune disease or a sick child or with eczema, whatever. But I think it's human nature to wait for the wake up call. Unfortunately, I just think that's just the way humans are. But I think at this point in humanity, we've been given like this collective frying pan to the head that like, guys, we're all facing our own mortality. And the time is now to create the change. And oh, we have to. There's so we, much yeah. that. <laughs> there's yeah. so much that I want to say on what you are like, jumping up, jumping up. <laughs> I, I feel you so much when you say that you know, so often people come to this way of eating because they've had their own wake up call because of a health problem, because of mm -hmm. something that's happened to them, because of a kid who's not very well. And I feel as if um, what's happened in our world the last couple of years with COVID is been a huge wake up call mm -hmm. that we could have we could have listened to and some people are listening to to look at how we're farming and what we're doing to our global agricultural system that might be messing up the planet somewhat and it it, it always feels such a shame to me that this change isn't coming from top down but mm. I know like you said that there are huge vested interests in the information that comes from top down and I'm so incredibly in awe of what you're doing because it's the grassroots change that we need you know and we we interviewed um the lady who wrote defending Be beef last mm. week Nicolette oh. Neiman and yeah. she was saying you know this change has to happen one farm at a time mm -hmm. and so every single person who we can catch when they're ready like you said for that information then the more the change can can go out there and, and that's how it like you said that's how it needs to be done. And yeah. it needs to be done desperately. <laughs> yeah. And I think it has to be done joyfully. Like, I think there's so much fear right now that, oh my God, some people are just like, throw their hands up. Like, we're screwed. Like, I might as well just yeah. throw the towel in. What can I really do? Because the, the problems are so massive. But yeah. it's like, when you step into the work, and then, you know, you start taking care of yourself and your family and you, you know, what is what is our purpose here on this earth and how how do we want to spend our days? You know, at, for me, it's like I just want to live peacefully and do good work and um, be around people that appreciate what we're doing and, love. you know, just be in that space of of love and connection. And I think that's the ultimate human 
experience. And when you return to that, you start to feel that and you, you want that. We're just, again, we're so disconnected. And mm-hmm. so I really appreciate what you guys are doing because there was some point like, Last winter, I was just like, oh, my gosh, like the I don't listen to the news. Like I haven't listened to the news in like eight years. But, you know, mm-hmm. whether you're listening to whatever side you're listening to, what if you're listening to anything, really, it's it's going to scare you to death. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, let's just like, you know, listening to you guys and what I'm trying to do. It's like just staying in the hope and what can we do as an individual and how mm-hmm. do we yeah. want to live and yeah. the joy that comes from shutting off the noise and just living, you know, because we're all, you know, not getting out of here alive and we have a finite amount of time. And so how do Mm -hmm, we want to spend it? And I think when you think of the kids and this was like every farmer that I approached was when they understood that this was about the kids, they're like, absolutely. I mean, they are our future. There is no more precious resource than our children. So if we don't devote, time and effort to figuring this out, then, you know, and they're, they're now like, I see it, you know, now we've got screens to contend with as parents and we've already up against the whole processed food industry and the medical. And so it's like, it's really hard to be a mom, (laughs) you know, they're just like, whoa, there's like always something to try and manage that we think back like, oh, you know, didn't used to be this way. They didn't have so many things to try and figure out. But, um, you know, I think, also, gosh, I've been returning to reading Thoreau and Emerson. You know, I lived in Concord, Mass, where they're from, for like wow. 20 years. And I was never drawn yeah. <laughs> to, I was never drawn to their literature. It was like, I was just, you know, I don't know why, but it took me moving 3,000 miles away to be at this nature-based school to kind of re- to reconnect ultimately and pull that book off the shelf that was on my shelf, you know, by Emerson and all of a sudden, these just light bulbs just start going off. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is, it's the same. Like, everybody had problems that they were facing, um, you know, about humanity. They seem kind of the same, but the answer seems also the same, is that to return to nature and, you know, reconnecting to the natural world and all that surrounds us and lives within us and to live as harmoniously as possible because we're not going to fix everything so I think by just going within and trying to be that the best version of yourself every day is really the best thing you can do. And model that for your kids around, you know, every mm-hmm. corner is somebody trying to to trick them or deceive them. So we just have to show up as these leaders and mentors and and hope that they they look at you and say, like, you know, I want to be like that. You know, my mom's healthy and strong and. Um, she's not sick, knock on wood, you know, and we can't control everything. So there's toxins in the air. There's like a lot of things, there's cell towers and all this, but it's like what we can control, we need to try and do our best, you know, so food is foundational. Completely. Absolutely. Gosh. I'm going to jump in, Andrew, if you're not going to. Okay, I'm ready. Sure. I'm ready. It's <laughs> just loads of comments, really. Um, that, um, the writings of Thoreau, I, Walden is probably my most favourite book in the entire mm. world. And I first read it when I was working at Microsoft. And I remember there, there being just this kind of knowledge in my body of what he was writing about and the disconnect I was feeling from that. And it was so moving 
to mm. me to get me yeah. to change my lifestyle. And I think what you've said about, you know, how, how do we want to live? That motivates me all the time because, I mean, the things that happen in my kitchen, they happen because of joy. They don't happen because of fear, you know, and, and like you, mm-hmm. I, I shut myself off from the news as much as I possibly can. And the thing that motivates me is, well, well, how do I want to live? Do, do I want to have these connections with the farmers and the man who grows my meat? And do I want to go to the f- farmer's market every week and talk to these wonderful people and see what they've grown? And what do I want to have at my table? Do I want to have things that I grew in my garden and, and I feel so much love and joy cooking up? And is that the world I want? Or do I want a world where things come out of a packet and I've bought them in a supermarket with electric lights and horrible music using a machine to pay where I never saw anyone? That's Mm -hmm. not the world I want. And that's not the world I want to leave to my son at all. And so that's a real, what you said is a real motivation for me every day because I I want a, a world with connection and joy and relationships and realness and that love mm. around me. And and that's what you're, you've been building and introducing to these other children, which is just so wonderful. Mm, yeah, I mean, it is really... It's profound, right? I mean, you feel it and you, you've been on the other side where you've been sick and in that state of dis-ease. And it's just, it's not, um, it's not joyful. You know, it's, it's like you're always struggling. And I always say like, you know, when you're sick, you spend all your time and all your money chasing health. And, you know, now it's younger and younger. We have 54% of our kids currently struggling with a chronic illness. And that's probably Gosh. light, you know. I don't even know when that stat came out, but more than a few years ago. And that's not even mm. including the soft diagnoses. So it's really, it is a moment where, um, you know, we have to be in that discomfort of recognizing that something has to shift. And it, it does start, sounds cliche, but it starts with us. Mm. And, you know, one thing I can say um, just with the nature connection that is, is profound for me and um, kind of a lesson that I love to share with people because I think it's maybe the most important thing. And I touched on this was that, you know, we are nature. And it hit me when I went on, I had this epiphany when I went on the first camping trip seven years ago with the Manzanita School. And we were up in Little Basin up north in California where we're in the Redwoods. And at the end of school, uh, at the end of the camping trip, the head of school circled up the entire school. So this huge circle in this field, we're just surrounded by these giant redwoods. And it was a gratitude, gratitude circle. And he said, I just want to take a moment of gratitude for these amazing, beautiful redwoods that have held space for us all week here on this land. And I just like looked at him at that moment. Oh, then he said, he said, and at the base of every redwood are billions of microbes keeping them healthy and alive. And at, at that moment, I looked at him and I was just like, in my head, I'm just like, you are a redwood. Like you have billions of microbes at the base of you keeping you healthy and alive. And then he went on to say to the kids, like, I want everybody to go out and like pick up all the micro trash around so that we keep this place looking cleaner than when we got here. And so the kids, I was like, oh, cool, okay. And like, I didn't see any trash, but the kids can't, you know, everybody came back and there was all of a sudden this little mound of trash. And I was like, well, that's cool. And I was like, well, you know, like 
if we didn't pick up our micro trash and the next group came in, they probably wouldn't notice it. And if they didn't pick up their micro trash, then the next group in maybe wouldn't notice it. But like 10 groups in leaving their micro trash, all of a sudden it's just going to be this trashy place that no one wants to go to. And if you think of that as like your body, like if you eat junky food one day, like you're not going to really notice it. Your body will process it. It'll be fine. But day after day after day, it's going to be trashy. You're going to create this imbalance and this dis-ease. And just as you wouldn't pour gasoline around a redwood and expect it to thrive one day, maybe it will survive. But day after day after day, the tree is going to be sick and die. So we, when we have this like reverence and this respect and this awe for things in nature, whether it be a redwood or a butterfly or a honeybee or a flower, a mountaintop, whatever, like, you know, we look at things like a peacock or whatever, and you're just like, oh my gosh, like nature is incredible. How is that? Everything's so perfect. But if we could like flip the mirror on ourselves and look at ourselves with that same reverence and that same respect and if we could just like unzip ourselves and see all the systems that are working tirelessly every second of every day to keep us walking and talking and seeing and hearing and you know we would our jaws would be on the ground right but for some reason we don't give ourselves that same respect that we do things in nature so when we recognize that we are nature we are no different and we are designed to work that i think then we recognize, wow, what am I doing to my body or my kid's body? And how do I want to become more connected and aligned with? I think Dr. Price said, life in all its fullest is mother nature obeyed. And I think it's so, (laughs) so perfect, right? So it's just like when you can have that mindset of being in line with nature as best you can, you know, we're human, we're not perfect. So you don't beat yourself up about the little things, but you just show up every day for yourself and for humanity and do the best you can. I love that you said that the way you said it, because as I've been reading Nicolette's book, Defending Beef and thinking about all these things that keeps coming to my mind that the, you know, Allison was saying how on our interview with Nicolette, how it's so crazy that, you know, because there's CAFO farms and the solution is get rid of cows, you know, that'll fix, that'll fix everything. Right. And it always just surprises me because it's as if almost the same solution is offered for humans. Like, like, because there's, um, because people are making some bad choices, you know, therefore humans are bad for the planet, but it's not true. Like we, we were made to live here too. We are a part of nature also. And, and it almost gives us a free pass to say, well, we're just so bad. Let's just stuff everybody in cubicles and give them the little cubes of Soylent Green. But it's like, no, (laughs) you know, like, like in the nourishment book by Fred Provenza that Nicolette referred to in the interview, um, you know, we also have instincts to eat well. And we also have instincts to birth well and take care of our young. And like, we are a part of nature, but, but, but I love the way you framed it with the redwood. Like, yeah, you're, you are a redwood tree. You've got a lot of history behind you and and a lot of microbiome. A lot of microbes that we have to understand that we live, we must live symbiotically with all that 
surrounds us and lives within us. And I think people don't understand the microbiome and how important it is and that we have viruses and fungi and bacteria and parasites. And, you know, they're just, they're part of who we are, but you have to keep them in balance. And when things get out of balance that we get into trouble, things like leaky mm-hmm. gut. So, um, yeah, I mean, the solution, I just feel like it's so hard because it's the like the the propaganda is so powerful and i see it with the children at school they they blow with the wind you know they they see a documentary and all of a sudden they're like um i'm going to go vegan now because i saw this documentary and i don't want to hurt animals and you know and i i feel for them because they 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 see these images and um and they're horrified and it is horrible the way we treat animals in these you know factory farms and stuff but and once you get that in your head as a child, like when I got fat free in my head as a mm. young teenager, I was so convinced that fat was the devil for nearly a decade, a decade of like avoiding fat. And so that's where it's so powerful that you have to be, you have to be very mindful and, um, and we're up against a lot of powerful, um, you know, imagery and propaganda that our kids are seeing. And so totally. we just have to be that shining example and we have to make it um you have to explain you have to teach and that's why i say like you have to be to be a lunch leader you have to be this dedicated trusted person that's going to look them in the eyes every day and you have to walk the walk like i don't go home and eat hockeys or whatever you know i take care of myself every single day mm-hmm. and i show up for them and model that this is what health represents. Um, and so this was like a really hard couple of years for me because it's like there was no messaging about taking control of your own health and the way that we eat and the way that we live affects mm. our immune systems. And so that was just like, oh my gosh, you know? And um, it was really disheartening that there was nobody kind of screaming that from the rooftops from day one that we can... Just as we literally like, and that this should be hopeful for, for people is that we literally changed overnight, like the entire world. Yeah. <laughs> so I think yeah, like yeah. if we can get this, it's possible, right? Like we can turn the ship around in like a week. <laughs> so yeah. if everybody just sort of like had that, unfortunately it was fear as the motivator. And I think that there is this hope if we can create, I think at this point too, people are so cooked. They're just like done with everything that when you come out joyfully you know, beating the drum and just like building this other boat where you're like, hey, you guys want to come over here? Everyone's going to be like, yeah, I think I'm ready for like some joy in my life. And and that's where like yeah, Hilda absolutely. and I do this being human uh, thing on Instagram where we get on and just, yeah, remind, <laughs> just remind people. We're like, I don't know, what is this? Get on and like remind people what it means to be human, you know, and and get back to that feeling that we all crave. It's like we all crave it. You know, nobody wants to be sucked into watching CNN 24 hours a day but so but we need those reminders right because things are addicting and Mm -hmm. it's just like it's it's fascinating when you step back and it's fascinating when you return to like Thoreau and reading that because Mm. he had some of those same concerns like oh my gosh work 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 all we do the people are just working all the time you know it's like Mm. we got to get back to that balance and you know here we are however many years later still people are working like crazy and everything's about bigger is better and so I 
think that we will return to that. Um, I mean, I hope, you know, we're moving at a fast pace, kind of in the wrong direction, I feel. But I do feel that staying hopeful is so vital to our health because I think stress is really the number one killer and cause of disease. And so there's no sense in stressing. It's just like do what you can and be joyful while you do it. I wanted to ask you, Hillary, you looking at what you've done and the fact that you've got a big family, how do you look after yourself particularly? Because it just feels like you're doing so many things. You must have to really carve out time to look after you. How do you do that? Yeah, well, I've learned the hard way. You know, I've just definitely, it's been, I just have been going through pictures for this talk I'm doing and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a picture of me like literally the first week after taking over the snack where I'm just like face down on the couch, like I'm going to die. And then like the first week and my kids are all like giving me a massage and stuff. And then the first week after taking over the lunch program, same picture. I'm just like passed out on the couch. It's like, oh my gosh. And so it is, it is a burn. And so eating well is like first and foremost, sleep is crucial. I don't get, you know, I, with so many children, it's like, you know, I come home from work and it's straight into like dinner and then homework and all this. And sometimes I don't get to bed till 11 o'clock at night and then I'm up at five. And so I know on the weekends, like I don't set my alarm. I try and get as much sleep as I can. Um, I, I've started putting my phone, like I really got conscientious about Instagram and just like stepping off for a bit. And I I feel so much better. I feel like it's amazing because I get to connect with people like you guys and see what's going on. Um, but it was actually even like Thoreau who was just like talking about the train system. And he's like, why do we need to be connected to like, I don't know, what was Michigan or something like, why do I need to be able to go everywhere? <laughs> and I was, I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, like, yeah. why do we need to be connected to like the entire world every second of every day? You know, like that's just, that's too yeah. much information into our bodies. We can't handle it all. So I really have tried to disconnect from my phone as much as possible. And I know that there's not like any profound thing that I'm going to, you know, do or not do that's going to change you know if I don't do a post it's not going to like affect anything really you know or if I do a post it's it's, so it's just like I try and do it when I feel like I have something to say or to share or connect Mm -hmm. with somebody Mm -hmm. and I try and go for walks without my phone I used to take it and listen to podcasts and music or whatever but it's really nice to just be still and be quiet and let my own thoughts Mm -hmm. just you know come naturally and not um uh, you know, have anything coming in. So being as quiet as I can. I had a, my minister who married me had like two near-death experiences and he wrote a book and I was asking him several years ago, like what his advice is. And he said to be as quiet as you can, as often as you can. Wow. And I thought, oh, that's so interesting. Cause you know, we kind Just of, opposite. I'm guilty of this. Yeah. I like fill my life with like noise. Yeah. Just like, and it, that's the right. nature of having kids too. It's just a constant <laughs> noise, you know? You, so to find that time to shut it off and, and consciously do that. And that for me, it's just time in nature is my biggest kind of yeah. re reset. So I recommend people just get out in nature as much as possible and, and really be in nature and reflect that you're part of it and notice there's actually a guy that I just met a week ago who's, um, Gosh, he's 39 and he's coming to the end of his life, facing his own mortality. He's struggled for almost 20 years with so much pain and 
autoimmune gut stuff. And um, I asked him his advice. I just said, you know, what are, what is your advice as you face your own mortality? And he said to learn to cultivate the faculty of attention to beauty. You learn to cultivate the faculty of attention to beauty. And, yeah. and he sort of was really sad in that he had come to learn so much in his state of crisis, really. But he has run out of time to share what he's learned. And so I'm going to pass that on, that quote from him, because I think that's really so important and that life is precious and life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. Mm. Of course, we have stress, but we can choose what to grab onto and what to let wash over us and to really be in that, um, that attention to beauty. And that is, the, with, again, like with ourselves and all that surrounds us, you know, it's really a miracle that we're here. <laughs> like, I don't even know how this mm-hmm. whole thing came about, but we're here and we're here together and we have this short window of time that we get to experience it. And why not make the best of it, right? Because you never know when your time is up. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to to finish, Andrea, but I don't know if you've got more you want to ask, Hilary. Really profound. I was going to say, when you talked, you you both mentioned Thoreau a few times. I was going to say, even Thoreau had his lunch lady because he was living down by the pond and writing about living in nature, but his mom brought him lunch every day. (laughs) Really? I didn't even know that. Yes. Oh my gosh, I love that. I love that. Us mamas, we can't stop. We can't help ourselves. <laughs> I swear, it's just like, we, it's just a thing, right? There's like that mama bear where you just really have this desire to do everything yes. you can to create, you know, a healthy, strong human yeah. and push, put, like, you know, give them the roots and the wings to fly and and that's where I'm in that stage of letting go. And, um, and it's actually really, mm. it's really challenging. And it's also really freeing and that it's like, okay, it's really hard because you have to say, okay, I did my best. And that's like all I can do. And I, there is a moment where they're, they're becoming adults. And you're just like, at 18, I was like, see you later. You know, like I couldn't wait to get out of the house and do my own uh-huh. thing. And <laughs> it's, it's no different. It's time though. It's a natural time where you know you want to send them out and um and let them go pursue but you know it's actually what makes it so hard unfortunately too it's just like like man they're not gonna have access to any good food anywhere you know unless they are like seeking out the Amish co-op or whatever that you know which (laughs) they're you know they go off to college I mean I hope I feel really hopeful that school of lunch will help to to change the model for all schools and universities. I know Alice Waters is changing um, schools mm. in California with the, with even the, um, I think it's all the Cal State or yeah, universities out here. And so I have to look more into exactly what she's doing, but she's, you know, if anybody can do it, she can. So um, it's possible. It's totally yeah, possible. So completely. Yeah. So we just have to just keep showing up every day. Absolutely. And my dad said at the end of his life, he said, I asked his advice. He had really bad Alzheimer's and dementia. 
And I just said, you know, dad, what's your advice? I always think it's like nice to ask, or it's just like, I love getting advice from elders or, you know, people that have these words of wisdom and have lived a long time or even a short time, like uh, the guy I met last week. But um, my dad said, just keep on keeping on. And so I think you just, you know, we just have to not take everything so seriously and just keep on keeping on. Thank you for keep on keeping on. You've done amazing work and I'm sure you're going to do even, even more amazing work. Where can people find you, you, Hilary? Whereabouts are you online? Um, Schooloflunch.com is our website. And you can see if you go under uh, school, under School of Lunch, if you tap on the school thing, you can watch a 12-minute video of what we do at uh, at the Manzanita School and sort of the, the vision behind all that we do and how it kind of came about doing that. And then um, also under Training Academy, you can now watch a little video on our Training Academy and see what that's all about. And I'm at School of Lunch on Instagram. So really website and Instagram, best places to find me. And I'm really accessible. If people DM me, I try and get back to people and I'm happy to help if people have questions and um, need resources or just advice. I do my best to, to help. Thank you. Amazing. Oh, thank you ever so thank much you. for your time. Oh my gosh, it's been thank absolutely you guys. wonderful. I'm glad we finally got to talk because I've been wanting, been wanting to share your stuff <laughs> on the I podcast because you're doing well, such amazing work. And oh. yeah, I wasn't disappointed to hear about the details of what you're up to. It, well, you're totally you inspiring. Thank you. Wow. Well, it's such a joy to talk to you guys. And um, I just am I'm so grateful that you're doing what you're doing and really opening people's eyes again in this joyful way and making it accessible to so many. So keep keep on keeping on, keep up yeah. the good work and have fun <laughs> and we'll connect on the interwebs and hopefully we'll get to see each other in person. Um, actually, yes. Allison, my original, one of my original um, lunch leaders lives in Italy and I told her about you and she's like I think I emailed her I think she's like the only Weston Price chapter leader in all of Italy and, I, and she's like I think her name's Allison and then she looked it up and she's like it is I've already emailed her so it's funny how those things work and this connection so of you know the Weston Price Foundation is really like such a great um you know connects so many of us so it's such a great so connector. grateful for that yeah so such anyway a, I hope to give you guys great, a real human hug in real life one day soon yeah that would be awesome thank you ever so much for being with us hillary of course okay take care bye thank you Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to continue the conversation. Come find us on Instagram, Andrea's at Farm and Hearth and Allison's at Ancestral underscore Kitchen. Until next time, we both wish you much fun exploration and satisfaction in and out of the kitchen. Bye.